Welcome to The Truth About Taxes and Retirement. This podcast is brought to you by SavingYouTaxes.com and hosted by J. Barry Watts. As an advanced tax strategist and enrolled agent federally licensed by the IRS, Barry is uniquely qualified to go deeper into the Internal Revenue Code than most accountants. He understands and interprets its provisions explaining how they'll help you reduce income taxes you owe so you can direct that previously wasted tax money into tax-free accounts that you can enjoy in your retirement years. Now, on today's episode. The upcoming holidays present a wonderful opportunity to have important conversations with your family about many things. And sometimes those elephants in the room that need to be discussed relate to money, health care planning, funeral planning, who gets what, and things like that. On today's edition of The Truth About Taxes and Retirement, our host, J. Barry Watts, tax strategist and retirement designer, is going to guide us through holiday conversations about hard topics. Oh, Merry Christmas. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Did I get them all covered? Oh, there's one more. Happy New Year. (laughs) You really did a great Santa there. Oh, well, you know, maybe in my retirement life, I'll go be Santa down at Branson or something. You know, whatever holiday you happen to be celebrating in the quiet moments with your family, it might be a good time to talk about important issues facing your family that might go unsaid, things that might not be talked about if you don't prod just a little bit. So in this podcast, I want to give you a little help, a little courage, a few conversation starters and so forth about how to talk with your parents or your in-laws about declining health, money, funeral plans, inheritance, estate plans, and all that kind of stuff. Now, Patrice, I know this topic really strikes close to home with you right now. Tell us how. My mother, who is 90 years old, just moved in with me. Ah, very good. So so you're living this out every day. Well, I, I have this picture in my head now that you've been talking about the holidays and stuff. Everybody sitting around the Thanksgiving table, post-turkey, maybe you're having your, your, your cup of coffee, a piece of pumpkin pie with whipped cream or Cool Whip, which is my go-to on top of that, and so, turning to Dad and saying, you're the patriarch of the family. Dad, if you were in a coma, what would you want us to do? Well, yeah, it can be that awkward, but I was hoping that we might have a little smoother way of sliding into it. And, and and so we'll see, I don't know. Well, and, and then whatever I say in the podcast, you're going to take maybe some nugget from it and try to use it at home around the kitchen table. And it, it might be skillful or it might not. I'll let, you know. I'll let you know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, let me tell you one of the reasons this comes to mind is not only because the holidays are upcoming, but I had a client in my office just last week. And as a part of our routine onboarding, one of the questions that we always ask them is whether or not they expect any inheritance. And this particular fellow said, well, he thought so, but he didn't know for sure. And it turned out, as he told his story, that his dad is still living, but mom has died. Now, dad is a fairly big crop farmer, owns a crop farm. And the son has no idea, despite dad having a big farm that's been in the family forever, the son has no idea whether dad has $5 million in the bank or $5 in the bank. He doesn't know, and dad won't talk. 
And that's unfortunate because dad is 88 years old. Oh, that could be uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, yes. And, and uh, this fella is not necessarily a good conversationalist. And I'm guessing he might have learned that from dad. So put two <laughs> non-good conversationalists at the table and try to have a conversation about all this emotional stuff that is so loaded with baggage. Now, I don't know. It could be that dad has a girlfriend in town and he's leaving everything to her and he doesn't want the son to know about. But I'm guessing it's more likely that dad is playing out of sight, out of mind. And he's hoping that if he talk, doesn't talk about dying, then sort of it'll never happen. And uh, many people are in that kind of position. So what I want to help you with today is to get information out and on the table for you and your siblings if they are engaged in the conversation. And it's all good. And I hope for you that it is. Because it's really important that we know our parents' plans, if they have any so that we can be sure they are carried out correctly as your parents would want by you, the child. So here's my first tip. Muster up your courage and ask. It might be that your parents are glad to have the conversation. It just kind of feels a little bit awkward. So no one has ever brought it up and, and somebody needs to be the person who's going to bring it up. And so maybe this holiday season, that can be you. And maybe something we talk about here, uh, will give you a little tip on how to approach the conversation. And I might offer up this, here's a way that you could potentially start it, you know, and this, I can envision this happening at the uh, dinner table, uh, at, at like Thanksgiving night or Christmas night. So the big meal is over. The leftovers have come back out, you know, and we're just kind of mm -hmm. just kind of enjoying the last meal of the day over that cup of coffee. And you say, mom, it has been such a lovely Christmas. It's been so wonderful to be together with you and to have all the family here. I hope that we have so many more of these, but I know someday you won't be with us any longer. Have you made any special arrangements for when that time comes? I'm sorry. And you're chuckling because you're in this conversation. So tell me what you're thinking. <laughs> oh, we're, I just hope everybody's had a good uh, after dinner drink too. <laughs> well, actually, actually, that might help. So it could be that you want to start with that to lead into this kind of conversation. Now you could use a, you could use a more direct approach if you'd like to, which is an alternate question you could ask is, so have you thought anything about what you'd like for us to be sure is included in your funeral? Or have you written down any specifics about how you'd like your memorial service handled? And is that tucked away anywhere that we'll be able to find it when the time comes? Now, I want you to notice a couple of things that you heard me do there. First of all, you heard me speak a little more slowly hopefully a little more clearly. And you also heard me lower my voice and, and lower the volume of my voice. Because anytime you're talking about emotional things, and these are emotional things, it's easier to talk about them higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. And higher. Talk about it faster, 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 faster. And talk about them louder, 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 louder. And so we want to we wanna be sure with, that we dampen all that emotion to the greatest degree that we can, because these can be difficult subjects for anyone to discuss. Uh, and if your family's never discussed them, as many families haven't, then this Thanksgiving and Christmas might be a good time to broach the subject and see if you can get a handle on some of these issues that you're going to face. How much better and how much more comfortable to face an uncomfortable time eventually with full information, having discussed it and knowing what mom and dad want and what they intend. I have a great idea. Great idea. Tell me. 
Usually you bring flowers to the house for Thanksgiving, right? Yep. Put on the table. What if you brought a funeral? We bring hot rolls and, and pancakes usually, but you go ahead. What if you bring what? What if you brought a funeral spray instead? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of ugly. Put it in the living room and say, hey, nice hey, flowers. <laughs> that's really, that's kind of passive aggressive, you know? <laughs> Uh, what if you brought a funeral fan? You know what I'm talking about? Those back before we had air conditioning, how we how the funeral homes used to have fans. Oh, you grew up in urban east. You always yeah, we, had we've always had air conditioning. Uh, really? That's very interesting <laughs> that you don't know what I'm talking about when I say funeral fans. So I've let seen me tell them you, in movies. I've seen them what, in movies. What it was like out here in the sticks. So it was a, a cardboard, not thick cardboard, really thin cardboard on kind of a popsicle stick, a little bigger than a popsicle stick. Oh, and every okay. every church had these. And they're stuffed down in the, the hymn rack in the back of the pews at the church, and everybody's got them. And so you whip those things out, and you sit there and fan yourself while the preacher preaches. And that was just that was, that was was just one of the things that we did, and everybody had them. And kind of in each town, the local funeral home is who printed up the fans. And they would have their, their logo on the fan? Oh, sure, yeah. In my case, where I grew up, it was the Stumpf Funeral Home. And uh, so every church in the area that they served had fans from the Stump Funeral Home. So uh, maybe you could get one of those, take, take one of those to Christmas. Uh, you know, actually, actually, <laughs> Patrice, this is getting good. We're way off script, but this is really good. Because if you found one of those, like at the antique shop or somewhere, Ooh. and you, you took it in and, and laid it on the table and said, I don't, I don't recognize this. Fan, this funeral home, was this ever a funeral home in our town? Well, and your mother or dad says, oh, that's never been in our town. Or, or they say, oh, yeah, they were here back in the 50s. But then uh, Bob ran away with Sally and uh, Lucy died and the funeral home went kaput. Or they tell whatever story it is. And besides which, all our relatives all went from this funeral home. We don't use that funeral yeah, home. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we use the other one. That's exactly right. But but that, that would be a, a segue into the conversation. So uh, you have a little prop that got you there. <laughs> Not a bad I love it. Idea. I love it. So here, here's a, another type question you might ask. You might say, Dad, have you and Mom officially prepared so that we kids will be able to know what you want done if uh, you were in a coma or something? What would you want us to do? Uh, would you want us to do everything possible to save you? Do you want us to let you go? Is there some middle ground that you're interested in? Have you done anything about that? And uh, the interesting thing is your dad may cough up an answer or he may shut you down, but I'm going to tell you there's a, at least a 50% chance or greater that he'll say, well, now here's kind of the way I would want that handled. And so another way you could say it is if you became incapacitated and unable to care for yourself, that was incapacitated and unable to care for yourself, what long-term care preparations have you made? And you listen, and, well, are there any life insurance or other policies that might provide some coverage? Uh, well, there are, there aren't, if there are, well, let's look at them. Or if I don't, well, I don't know, well, have you got something we ought to look at and see? Uh, another important question to ask is if you aren't able, who do you want to make the medical and financial decisions for you, dad? That's something that everybody sitting at the table probably needs to hear. So we know who's in charge and it really needs to be written down because if it's written down, then that way we don't get in a fuss. One sister wants to let him go, and the brother says, oh, no, keep him at all costs, and now we have attention. Wouldn't it be really neat if dad had written it down and said, here's how I want it handled? And so dad's wishes, can dad can speak even though he can't speak. And through that document, he can say, here is what I want. 
because we need to be able to, to make the right decisions that would please our parents, and we need peace as much as possible while we're doing that. Uh, so I want to encourage you to get them to talk as much as possible about what they want, and then from that, you might ask if any of it is written down and where it is written down and kept. And if they don't have it written down, and in some cases they don't, you might say, well, what would you think about us scheduling to talk with an attorney about getting some of this formally documented so that when we need it, we'll have it and we aren't scrambling around at a difficult time trying to figure out what to do. And I'm just guessing that the typical parent will say something like, mm, that's probably a good idea. And if they do, boom, you got it. You take the ball and you take responsibility for making the call and setting up that appointment. You say, if they say, well, that's a good idea, you, you say, well, I tell you what, so it's not any stress on you. If it's okay, I'm going to call uh, Bob, the attorney down here at the Bob and Bob attorneys, and I'm going to schedule us an appointment for when I'm here in January. And we'll go down and spend a couple of hours with him that afternoon. Will it be okay if I do that? And I'm betting in most cases that they'll say, sure, go ahead and do that. Now, one of the good things to talk about in this process is not just have you made your plans, have you written them down, but we talk about things like money. Uh, and how much is it? Where is it? And so forth. Now, I'm only in my 50s, and so I expect to be here a lot longer, but who knows? My daughters are 25 and 23, but they both know the drawer in which to find the important information, and I've showed them the spreadsheets, which I update a couple of times a year, so they'll know where all the assets are located and how many dollars those assets are worth and so forth. So um, the point is, this is something that I have done with my family, and if your parents will talk about it, then I think that will be very helpful. The objective, of course, is to get them actually to go uh, get their investment company states, statements, pull them out and show you what they've got mm -hmm. and where it is. So that's really what we're trying to facilitate. It. Now, you might say, oh, oh, well, that will never happen. They're not going to take the statements out and show me where it is. And I just want to say, now, look, quit being silly. You are just one slip and fall away from having to change their soiled pants or bathe and diaper them. So it's kind of silly at this point in the game to keep this stuff hidden. I've got a friend who is in her 40s. She has four children at home. She just turned 40. And her husband, who is the same age, is about to have hip surgery. He's kind of young to have hip surgery, but the, the doctors told him, you know, your hips are just all ground up at this point. And so what came out of that conversation is my wife made a joke and she said something about, well, you know, after the hip surgery, uh, Kyle won't have a perfect butt anymore. So Liz will have to see the scar on his butt. And she quickly said something to the effect of, oh, I see grandpa's butt enough. I'm not even worried about what's on Kyle's butt because her 98 year old grandfather lives with her and her grandma does too. And every week, it is a continuing story of difficulty that this family has, such that um, my wife is in a Bible study with this woman. Uh, the, the, the prayer, the, Grandpa, by the way, is a uh, retired Methodist minister, but the prayer that they've been praying about Grandpa is, Grandpa's had a good life, and we ask you to take Grandma and Grandpa and, and be done, uh, because the stress this is putting on Liz and her four kids and her family is just overwhelming. And so anyway, it was just kind of interesting uh, when my wife said, uh, well, you know, Kyle won't have a perfect butt anymore for Liz to look at. And Liz's comment was, oh, I see grandpa's all the time. I'm not even interested or worried about that. So here's my point. 
You could be in that situation with your parents or your in-laws or your mother-in-law. Um, so I would encourage you to go ahead now and push just a little bit and do it lovingly. And you might say this, here's a kind of a lighter way to approach it. You can say, look, dad, I hope you live forever and that you spend all of your money and enjoy every bit of it. I hope the last check you write to the undertaker bounces. I want to be sure, dad, <laughs> that you have enough money and that you're going to be okay and that you're taken care of. Because if we figure out that you aren't, then I may need to begin making financial plans on how I'm going to take care of you. So dad, would you mind sharing with me where you are financially and then go with the flow, but be quick to encourage him to show you, ask him to show you, well, I've got 27,000 and whatever, 270,000 or 2 million, whatever it is in, 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 in my mutual fund account. Well, dad, would you mind showing me that account? Show me where you keep that. And would you mind if we looked at that statement? Because first of all, dad may give you bad information. And secondly, it's important to know where these things are kept. So if dad shows you where he keeps them, that's helpful. And thirdly, it'll be good for you to look at it and say, well, lo and behold, there is $1.2 million there. The worst thing they can say is no, but if they open up, then I would encourage you to keep asking questions. Ask about their investment accounts. And here's one of the things uh, to, to look at when you see their investment account is how's the account registered? Is it just got dad's name on it? Or has it got dad and mom's name on it? But uh, because if they die and it's just got dad and mom's name on it, then that account's going to have to go through probate unless it has a transfer on death uh, established. And that's just a simple form that you can sign and our dad and mom could sign. And it would say, well, upon our death, we want this money to be distributed to our three children. And it'll list out who the three children are. It could be that the account's in the name of the trust. And then when mom and dad die, it's going to go to whoever it, the trust says are the beneficiaries of the trust. And so beneficiaries are what's really critically important here. You want to look at the IRA accounts. Do the IRAs have the correct beneficiaries established? Now, beware of something goofy that we see that incompetent people do or people who just don't know any better. Sometimes on the beneficiary form, they'll just write estate. Oh, well, yeah, that's so dumb because what that means is that's a one-way ticket to probate court. It's a one-way ticket to have everybody know what's in your accounts. When on that very same form, if you just write your spouse's name and date of birth and write your children's names and dates of birth, well, then the money will be distributed to them. So you want to do a beneficiary check. And if, if you don't have anything that says a beneficiary on it, you might not have, it'd probably be a good thing to say, well, dad, would it be okay if we called your broker that's handling this account and we ask them what's on the beneficiary form? So my point is push. So if mom and dad open up and begin to talk to you, then I'd encourage you to keep asking questions. Ask about their investment accounts and how they're registered. And if the accounts are just in mom and dad's name, one of the concerns is, of course, if they die, then that account has to go through probate. And that could all be solved with one simple sheet of paper called a transfer on death, where mom and dad would put each other on the account as the first beneficiary, most likely. And then they would put the children as the beneficiaries to split the account up if mom and dad both die. One sheet of paper, no probate, no lawyer, no nothing. It's so simple and easy. And frankly, whoever's handling your money in your accounts, your broker, financial advisor, financial planner, whoever that person happens to be, that person should actually be keeping uh, a record of these matters, and they should be making sure that these accounts have already got transfers on death put on them. 
because that's certainly one of the things that uh, we do for our clients is we we do beneficiary checks when we meet with them and we uh, make sure that the transfers on death are put in place. If the account's in the name of a trust, though, uh, the trust will actually say who the beneficiaries are, and then it's going to go the way of the trust. So at least we know that's taken care of. But you should do a beneficiary check on IRA accounts because a lot of times people will make mistakes and they will just put on the beneficiary form estate. And well, what that means is when you die, the money is going to go through probate again. It's going to be a part of the estate. And that's not what you want. Uh, you would lose your ability if it goes through the estate to, to stretch out over 10 years, the distribution of that account. And so you'd have to pay the taxes all at once. So there's a lot of reasons to be sure you have your beneficiaries right. And then the other place you want to be sure you've got your beneficiary right is on your life insurance. Who is, who's insured? Is it mom or is it dad or whoever it is? What company's putting the insurance in place? What's the amount of death benefit? How much is in the current cash value? And who are the beneficiaries? And by the way, I'll just uh, parenthetically say to you, people often are confused about, do I get the death benefit amount or do I get the cash value amount? No, you get the death benefit amount. Here's, uh, here's how that works. Um, when you buy an insurance policy up front, there's no cash value in it. There's just death benefit. So that means if you fall over dead, it's all the insurance company's money that, you, that would come back to your family. Now, over time, your account begins to build. The cash value on your account begins to build. And by the time you reach 100 years old, there's usually as much cash in your account as there was death benefit in your account. That's called endowing uh, or maturing. Sometimes we will refer to it. So the point is, if you die at 100, well, you get the same amount of death benefit, but it actually was your own money that's coming back out of the cash account rather than the insurance company's money. So early on, Death benefits are paid for by the insurance company, uh, and the insurance policy has an account that grows so that if you die really, really late, what you wind up getting back is just the account value that came out of your own insurance. So that's just a little tip on how life insurance works. Yes, Patrice. Talk about the importance of having your beneficiaries down versus a will. Oh, well, so here's the whole issue. Uh, we don't want to go to probate because probate takes so gum long. And probate is expensive and probate puts other people in the process. There's a lawyer in the process and there's a judge in the process. And there are all the clerks of the courthouse who are in the process. When you go through probate, everybody in the community can go down to the town and look, go down to the courthouse and open up your file and see exactly how much money you had, exactly how much money you owed and who you owed it to and what you owed it for. They can see exactly what you're going to do with your money. Maybe you are living in a, um, maybe you live in a blue state, deeply blue, and you were the only closet conservative in your blue state. And you wouldn't have wanted them to know that you were actually giving your money to some right-wing conservative cause. Well, if you go through probate, that can come out. And if you have any profile in town, meaning if, if you're a known quantity, people know you, you kind of matter in your town, you know, well, what better thing for the newspaper to do than to go open up your probate estate and say, well, you know, he's been running our town for all these years. Let me tell you all about it. So probate's a no-no. You don't want to go to probate. And if you'll do your estate planning properly, with some things that can be as simple as just putting a TOD on your account and being sure your beneficiaries are right, you totally will avoid probate. So let's talk for a moment, Patrice, about personal effects, personal things. Um, my youngest daughter is a minister, and not long ago, she expressed to me that she'd really like to have Granny's Bible 
but she figured that maybe one of the cousins might get it. Now, think about that for just a moment. What is it that you'd like to have? We've all got sentimental items. Some of them have monetary value. I'm going to guess most of them only have heart value. And I think it's important to know where those things are supposed to go. Now, for women, it tends to be jewelry and teacups and, you know, things of that nature. For men, it's more tools and shotguns and knickknacks. But where all these things are to go when mom and dad have passed on is really, really important for us to have recorded. So you might ask, hey, mom, I know that necklace of grandma's is really special to you. It's beautiful. You wear it all the time. I see you're wearing it again today. You've got five granddaughters. Have you ever thought about who you'd like to have that necklace when you don't need it anymore? And then just see how mom responds. And she might say, well, I have thought about it. In fact, I've got it written down. Oh, really? Well, that's good. Who, who did you want the necklace to go to? Well, I want it to go to Sally. All right. Well, that's great. Mom, where is it written down? So I'll know where we find these things. Where have you got these things written down? Well, it's in here in this file folder. And mom opens up the file folder. Now you're getting the information you need. So just keep asking the questions. My own mother is in her late 70s. She is 77 now. And she has gone through her house and put notes inside of things. Like this vase belongs to, and she names one of her granddaughters. Uh, and other things, she's not only noted uh, who they are to go to, but what they are actually. And so here's a, just an odd little story. Uh, somewhere back in the family, two or three generations, I've lost the story a little bit. I'd have to go read to come back up with it. But we have a cousin who was mustard gassed in World War One. And um, I don't remember what that was all about, but it was a bad experience. It destroyed your lungs. And so he is, he is on the train coming home and his mother went to meet the train a few towns away. I live in Springfield, Missouri. She went over to Joplin. He'd been out West somewhere getting treatment for his lungs and the train was bringing him back and he came back through Joplin and mama went to meet him at the train at Joplin and he died before he got back home to Springfield. Now, uh, so among his uh, the the artifacts of his life was this little porcelain pitcher of all the odd things. You know how when you go to the hospital today they give you this big court pitcher with measurements on the side of it, and they tell you I want you to drink all this before noon. Uh, so that's how they measure your water. Well, back in the in World War II they didn't have these nice plastic pitchers. Uh, instead, they gave every patient this little porcelain pitcher, and so it's kind of a cute little pitcher. Uh, and it sits in, uh, in actually our guest bathroom up on a shelf, but down inside that picture is a sheet of paper that sort of tells the story of the cousin who got mustard gassed in the war. And this is why we have this porcelain picture in the family. And it, so it gives us a, a thing to talk about, you know, and I kind of think it's a neat thing. I grew up in a culture of guns. All the men had guns. And of course, little boys think those are kind of neat and cute. And we had guns in all of our trucks in the back window and everybody carried guns. The whole town was loaded with uh, pickup trucks with guns in the back windows, just part of our culture. And I remember when I was a little boy, one time I was with my dad and my grandpa and some animal jumped up. It was probably a deer. And I remember pointing my finger at it and saying, bang, bang, I just shot you with my 410 shotgun because my grandpa Jake had a 410 shotgun. And he said, Burry, because that's what he called me was Burry, not Barry, but Burry. He said, Burry, for your 12th birthday, I'm going to give you my 410 shotgun. That's a big deal to an 11 year old boy. I could hardly wait until 12 turned around. 
And so when 12 came, I believe that would have been uh, August of 75, if my math is correct, uh, on my 12th birthday, here came grandpa carrying that 410 shotgun. Now, that gun's not worth much in terms of money. I doubt it's worth more than $100, but it means a tremendous amount to me in terms of sentiment. And so maybe someday I'll have a grandson and I can pass that gun on to him and tell him where it came from and tell him about my grandpa giving it to me. And that's why this grandpa is going to give it to him and hope that he captures that story to share with his grandchildren. So here's the point. You need to go through all the personal items and record who gets what. It avoids fights, too. That avoids fights within the family. Well, yeah. Yeah, it does. Because no, mom said this was to go to Sally. So it's going to go to Sally. It's just, it's just done that way. Um, so uh, let's talk about real estate for a moment. Now, if your parents have a trust, you want to be sure that the real estate is titled to the trust. And if it's not, you should fix that. If you don't use a trust, we use something called a beneficiary deed. These are not available in all states, but they are in many states. And it's essentially a TOD, a transfer on death for your house or any other piece of real estate. And so, for example, uh, you don't want to put the kid's name on the house, you know, like, well, I'm going to put my kid's name on it so that when I die, it just belongs to them. You don't want to do that because the liability of the kids can transfer to your house. You can wind up losing your house because your kid had a car wreck and killed somebody. You don't want to do that kind of thing. Um, what you want to do, and, and by the way, the taxes, it really messes the taxes up when you do it that way. Instead, what you want to do is do a beneficiary deed. And what the beneficiary deed says is, upon my death, this piece of property is to go to my kids. So it's a TOD. It lives, yeah. It, yeah, it's just TOD for property, but it's called a beneficiary deed. That's exactly right. So here's another thing to think about. Um, if your, both of your parents are still living and one of them is going to die, you know, at some point, I mean, I, I pray. I really do pray. Uh, I, so first of all, I really do pray. <laughs> Secondly, one of the things that I pray about is length of life. I, I, I pray reflectively, thinking about my life, where I'm going, what I'm doing. I want to live a long life, although I'm aware it gets ugly out there toward the end, and I don't want to live the ugly part. And I'm praying that I won't, but that God will be gracious to me, however that works out. And and one of the things I often ask is, you know, just help Kelly and I to go together, because I don't think either one of us could live without the other one. We're just so interdependent and it's such a wonderful relationship. But here's what's going to happen. One of your parents is going to die. One's going to be surviving. And the question is, what's the money going to look like when the one parent goes? Because you know you're going to lose one of the two social security checks. And if there's a pension involved, you could lose a pension check. So you kind of need to know what sort of income will they still have and will it be enough? And if you'll go dig into that right now, that's a lot better than waiting and finding out later after dad dies that now mom has to eat cat food. Um, so, so ask these questions. And a lot of times your parents don't know. You have to help them find the answers. But I want to encourage you to find the answers because it is so helpful. And if you're a parent listening to this, I want to encourage you to be generous in sharing this information with your children. My parents are and always have been. And I appreciate that immensely and intensely because it will make things much easier when the time comes. These conversations, they're really not as hard as you might imagine. I think people want to have these talks. They're kind of relieved by them. They just don't really know how to have the talk. When's the right time? It seems like maybe a gloomy or depressive subject. I wouldn't want to bring it up and throw cold water on the party sort of thing. But I want to encourage you to push forward gently in the talks during the quiet moments and ask the questions, ask leading questions. 
ask the next question. Follow up. Dig deeper. You just never know what you might find. And it might be one of the most rewarding conversations that you will ever have with your elderly parents. You know what I hope you don't find? I hope that you don't find that when your parents die, you're going to have to pay a lot of taxes. Even people who don't have much money have to pay taxes when they die. For example, for every $100,000 you have in an IRA or 401k, the kids will probably pay about $30,000 in taxes when mom and dad died just because of that $100,000 that was over in the IRA. But that doesn't have to be that way either. At savingyourtaxes.com, we make problems like that go away. So as you discover things about your parents' situation and you don't know what to do about it, give us a call. That's what we're here for. And we're glad to help you. So just go to savingyoutaxes.com and there you'll find a phone number where you can call our office and we'll talk you through solutions to whatever issue you face, even if it's taxes. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving and a Merry Christmas, a happy Hanukkah, a festive Kwanzaa, a happy New Year, or whatever day you're celebrating. Oh, 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 and for our Canadian listeners, happy Boxing Day. (laughs) They will appreciate that. (laughs) Until we meet again here on The Truth About Taxes and Retirement, I'm Barry Watts from SavingYouTaxes.com, reminding you that when it comes to investing and planning for retirement... If you don't get the taxes right, nothing else matters. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Taxes and Retirement podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of SavingYouTaxes.com. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional tax and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your own qualified advisor with any questions you may have regarding taxes and investing.